Welcome to the Coming Clean Podcast with your host, Peter O. For over 25 years, entrepreneur, speaker, and CEO Peter O. Estevez has built businesses all over the world, and today he shares his experiences, failures, and successes along the side of some of the most sought-after thought leaders to help you pave your way to success. Please welcome to the show your host, Peter O. Estevez. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Coming Clean Podcast. This is your host. Peter O. Estevez. And today we find ourselves here with our good friend Tim Story in his beautiful, beautiful home in California. Tim, welcome to Coming Clean Podcast and thank you for inviting us into your home. What a privilege. So tell me the O. What does O stand for? Octavio. I love that. Which is Octavius. I'm a middle child, so I'm number eight. So my parents picked Octavius. I love that name. That's a powerful name. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Tim is a humanitarian, a spiritual leader a life coach to celebrities, a speaker and has spoken in, in over 75 countries, and an author. Yes. What have you not done, Tim? Had a podcast with you. <laughs> that is being taken care of today. Yeah. So to me, the way I look at life, very similar to you, is that I'm very present. I'm very, what they call, fully present, fully feeling, fully alive, as you can tell in our conversation. Yes that I'm very present, I'm here. So I think that, you know, life gives us assignments. And part of my assignment is to lift people up, raise people up, help them with their mentality so they could live the life that they were destined to, to live. Tim, when young boys, seven, eight years old, were looking at Superman and Batman for heroes, yeah, your hero was Mother Teresa. Yes. Where did that come from? That came from having a, a family that was very compassionate. And part of the reason we were compassionate is because we were in pain. I think many times when you're in pain, emotional pain, physical pain, financial pain, that either you can get negative about it or you can get empathetic about it. And my family was very empathetic towards the hurting. And when somebody in my junior year of high school gave me this book about the life of Mother Teresa. I thought to myself, this is amazing, because as you probably know, she was a school teacher. She was a nun, but she was teaching school. And she literally heard the cries of the orphans. And I thought, man, that that is an amazing thing, that she was headed one way and decided to sacrifice her life to help other people. And that's why I decided to go to seminary, which I kept going and going and going and going, got my doctorate in world religion. And as you stated earlier, been all over the world helping underprivileged people. That's what I love to do. You have helped many underprivileged children, but at the same time, you wrap shoulders with some of the greatest celebrity of our time and our generation. Yes. And not only as a life coach, but you also have been hosting one of the largest Bible studies in Hollywood. Yes. Since 1992? Yeah, historic. It's, it's the largest Bible study of all time in entertainment. But again, that's not something I look to do. Like I say about life, some things you decide, some things you discover. So while I was helping people, people would always come and get me and pull me out. 
I was never looking like to be famous or to get to know all these celebrities. Not at all. I was doing my job and these people would come and find me. And the way the big celebrities started to find me, the Jack Lemons, Walter Maltels, the Charlton Hestons, these were all my brothers. Lee Iacocca, who's the Richard Branson of our day, for 25 years he mentored me. Quincy Jones mentored me for over 25 years. These men came and sought me out, men and women, either to help a family member or themselves, or they just wanted to dialogue with me. So I was doing my work, and I was pulled out by these people. Yeah. What an incredible story. You said something a minute ago. You said that um, we create or develop empathy out of pain, out of yes. suffering. And you actually have had your share of suffering. Yes, I have. You know, you come from a very humble beginning. Mm-hmm. You lost your father at the age of 10. Yes. You lost your sister two years later, ironically, both in car accidents. Tell us a little bit about your childhood and what impact the loss of your father did for you. Gigantic, in a terrible way. And because I think what happens in life is that you have like this promise of how you think life could be. Like maybe you've seen things on TV or you've seen other people live these good lives. So you have this promise, but you're not really thinking about the problems that can come. Right. And so th- what happened is that my mother asked my father to go get her food. He went down the street, not too far away. I would probably say a 12 minute drive going through a green light and a man it had just started to become dark, ran a red light and hit him wow. and killed him. Now, the challenge is the man who hit him was a policeman in a police car. And he didn't have a siren on, nothing. He was just daydreaming, hit, killed my father. So, and I love police officers today. They're, some of them are my best friends. And I'm fortunate to know the guys who run the city of L.A. Right. But, so, it's not that. The guy came in later, apologized, and the, the city settled financially with my mother. But it, it was a terrible thing because my father had a lot of charisma. And when his charisma left the house, I say in my new book that it was, it felt, our house felt like a cold garage. It's wow. not a good feeling. Wow. And I'd never heard my mother cry, ever. My mother didn't cry. She's tough. And so I never heard my mother cry. It was a terrible feeling. It was a terrible feeling. But I stayed optimistic somehow in my spirit and in my mind. And then two years later, my sister Viola, she was with her friends. Her friend was in the driver's seat. Her other friend, the sister, was in the passenger seat. My sister Viola was in the back. They were all three good Christian girls going to go visit these two girls' brother up in San Francisco area. It was foggy. The girl went off the freeway. The two girls were okay. My sister hit her head, went into a coma and died. Wow. Two years later. Again, never bitter, never blamed the girls. It's just I found out that life is fragile fast. You took a different route. Yeah. But those tragedies, as it happens in many families, affected your brother differently. Yes. How did that affect your brother? And the most important question to me is, why do you think that it affected your brother differently that it affect you? That's actually a great question that no one's ever asked me. That's a great question you just gave. My brother was actually smarter than me. My brother could take a car. He used to like these old Volkswagens. We're talking about the 60s, okay, or in 70s. He 
like these old Volkswagens, and he would tear them apart, and he could pull it back in. And then in the mind, he was so quick. And with anything, if, if something went wrong in the house, he could fix it. But my brother internalized everything, where I was more verbal, and I think I was open to people's counsel. So as I grew up in pain, if somebody said to me, like, Tim, how are you feeling? I wouldn't tell him everything, but I'd say, this has been tough. You know, my father died. And I would listen to my teacher. Mm-hmm. I would listen to the religious people at the church. But my brother was not that guy. He internalized. And when you internalize, internalize, it's going to come out somewhere. Yes. Yes. Something very interesting that you said, Tim. You said, I listen to people's counsel. And isn't it funny that today, 300 plus celebrities look to you for counsel? You've spoken across the world, and many people listen, read your books, listen to your lectures, listen to your talks, and today your Bible studies. So your impact on a daily basis across the world resonates daily. Where was that passion born? Where did you shift from being the listener to being the teacher? I think that, again, that this decide versus discover. I told Oprah Winfrey in her backyard, because that's my real friend. I don't chase anything, and I don't. I don't chase anything. I get offered things every week. I don't chase not one thing. I never. I don't chase. I cooperate. There's a difference between the C's. Chase is I'm going after. Sure, sure, sure. Cooperate is I hear what God's saying, and I align myself with it. And so I feel like my alignment was humanitarian work, as I continue to do. I'm working with prison reform with Robert Downey Jr. I'm doing things with the elderly. I'm doing things with the homeless. I'm doing things in the recovery world. I've owned addiction centers, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I do. But this other side of the discovery was for me to be trained to be a life coach. Before life coaching, I'd never heard of in my life. And that happened. I was speaking in a lot of NFL teams in football. And these stars would ask me for my phone number. And they started asking me questions. And I was in my early 20s. What should I do? What should I do? I got a a mentor from USC who was a college professor, an African-American lady. And she mentored me for 17 years. Wow. Yeah. And then once one star came, they started telling their friends. And then I became the guy. Tim, I want to hear more about the Bible study groups. Yes. And I want to know about the first meeting and how it grew to 2,000 people. Yes. Who were the original founders, the OGs, as we call them out there? Well, the OGs is starting with my good friend, Diane Cannon, who was married to... Cary Grant. To Cary Grant. And so Diane asked me to come to her house. And I won't give you all the names that were there, but just trust me, out of the nine stars that were there, then there were only four other people that I did not recognize. But the nine stars were the biggest that we have. Okay. that blew it wide open for me. Because then, I mean, like, who gets to hang out with Charlton Heston? It just doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. No, but that was my real friend. Videl Sassoon, who gets to be mentored by Videl Sassoon? Who gets to be mentored by Larry King? I don't think it's ever going to be done. Because, number one, most of those legends have passed, and it's a different day. Sure. And so... As a young guy from a lower income family, these guys taught me the ropes. They taught me the ropes. They taught me about how to sit at Spago's, how to act at Spago's, when to talk, when not to talk, 
And that's what made helped make me a very good listener. How to make deals. I'm a very good deal maker. And Iacocca said, let them talk first. Because a lot of guys that do well, men or women, they have big egos. They want to hear mm-hmm. themselves talk. Let them talk first. Let them lay it all out on the table. And then like a master chess player, you just play chess. Come on. Who's going to teach people that? So my Bible study just kept growing, growing, growing. Standing room only everywhere I went, all over Sunset Boulevard, all over Beverly Hills. To now, we have several thousand that consider themselves part of the Hollywood Bible study. Most times we meet at about 450 people at one time. But as you know, if there is a celebrity in trouble, I would probably be the guy they would go to. So if you see them on Extra or Entertainment Tonight or TMZ, most likely that's I'm dealing with them. They're going to call Tim. Most likely, yeah. I'm going to use one of the uh, famous, some of my favorite, I call them the T-isms, okay. the Tim's quotes. Pass to applause. Yes. When does Tim pass to applause? And what does that mean for the people that have not heard that quote before? Yeah, on a daily basis, because I think that you have to enjoy where you're at on the way to where you're going. And so pause for applause, to me, is that every day I'm just very grateful for what I get to do. And the pause for applause is, a lot of people don't know this, but I text at least 10 people a day. I've already texted 10 people already that I want nothing from. How are you doing? Hope your kids are good. I love that. I've done it already. I love that. So that's part of my pause for applause. My pause for applause is getting in my car and just listening to music from the 70s that just reminds me of when things seem a little more simple. Mm-hmm. So I am the ultimate in the pause for the applause. I'm not, again, I'm not driven. I have all these fancy projects going on, but I'm really like just glad that you and Jonathan are here. That's what I'm doing right Thank now. Thank you. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Tell us about The Miracle Mentality, your current book. Yes. The Miracle Mentality is based out of an essential need. And that is, I find that if you don't do something with life, life will do something with you. And Because I know your story. I know that there was a time where life pushed you around like a big wave. It's like if you went to Huntington Beach down mm-hmm. the street over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were out there just enjoying yourself and then a wave <laughs> hit you, then you got up and then a wave <laughs> hit you. That has to happen to you. It's happened to me. And what happened is that so many people, life has knocked the miracles out of them. Where, you know, Spanish and milagros, when we're little, we're thinking miracle thoughts. We're thinking beautiful thoughts. We're thinking, I can be, you know, you see somebody on TV, sure. Eric Estrada. Sure, like, sure, I sure. I can be on chips. Okay. <laughs> yes, a motorcycle. Yeah, but the waves hit and hit and they knocked the mentality out of you. The reason my book is such a hit right now already is because it's essential to get back to who you really are. You were created to go beyond because the God that created you, he lives beyond, he thinks beyond, he creates beyond, he restores beyond, right? Right. He takes us beyond. You are created to be this person who goes beyond. But when the waves hit people and the miracle mentality gets hit, what I find is that people get caught in what I call the messy and the madness. 
I would say the average person is stuck in the mess. Absolutely. So the, the miracle mentality is an essential book. That's why this is unheard of. I never seen anything like this in any books I wrote. This is my 10th book where people are buying a hundred at a time, 500 at a time. We just had an order for that last week. We had an order for three weeks ago, 2,500 at one time. Wow. It says something, right? Sure, absolutely. Why? They're buying them for their entire staff. Sure. Because it's an essential thing. We have to trigger ourselves back to who we really are, and that is to have a miracle mentality. Why are we such a walking generation, or why are we such a walking time? Why is it that we have such an interest in transcending from that messy state, or what I call the state of survival? I think that the, the calling calls you. So... Let's say a guy who's watching, you could be dating a person that you know you should not be dating, okay? And you could be on a fancy vacation with them. And because these guys, they talk to me and they, they say, I woke up and I thought, what the heck am I doing here? Because yeah. the calling is calling them. I know people that do bad stuff. They're in the midst of it and they feel like, what's going on? The calling's calling me. Are ladies in a bad marriage or ladies who know they shouldn't just be under an employer that's just beating them down? The calling is calling you. Now, so number one, here's what happens. I write in my book. You have to become awake. Number two, you have to take inventory. You've done it in your life. I've done it in my sure. life. You take inventory. What's my life really like? Thirdly, you got to partner with the right people. So that's one reason I'm glad people are watching your podcast the way they are. And following you, because you're, come on, you're the guy, man. I mean, Thank you, Tim. like God has his hand on you. You're just going to keep going higher. Thank you. So you have to partner with the right people. And that's what I did is that I think that my mother prayed, other people prayed for me and, and people just start coming to my life and just being a blessing to me. But you have to partner with the right people that will take you to the right place. Wow. Powerful. There's a couple of things I want to touch on because I cannot let that go unnoticed. You said, my mother prayed for me. Yes. And I remember being so cynical at some point in my life. I remember coming home drunk yeah. uh, many a times, watching mom in her rocking chair praying and praying away. And I would think in my cynical mind, you know, I don't know what she prays for. Our life never changes. Yes. I was in such a state of despair uh, that I could not see that the prayer sometimes is not for the moment, the prayer sometimes for the future. Today, I completely understand that my mother's prayers were answered. 100%. 100%. I'm here you know, interviewing Tim's story, and I had had a yeah. privileged life since my mother passed on, and even during her lifetime. But let me ask you a question. Why is it that some of us don't hear the calling? Well, I think, number one, let's go back to your story, that I don't blame you for thinking that. Because you saw her praying, and you're seeing no immediate effects. But the Bible says, do not become weary in doing good. For in the proper season, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. So it's a very, very powerful thing. Absolutely. So a lot of people that are watching today, they're getting weary in doing well. Like, I'm working this job, or I'm trying to get my son together, my daughter together. They're still acting up. Do not become weary in doing well. For in the proper season, you're going to reap a harvest because you did not give up. And here's what I love about the things of God. Over 200 times in the Bible, it says, and God suddenly did it. 
He suddenly did it. He suddenly. So that's what's what's so beautiful about life. You could just be living your life normal and suddenly something breaks. I call it a breakthrough. It's not a break sit or a break stand. It's through. It's a breakthrough. Yes. You've had it. I've had it. Then you had it again. Yes. Then I had it again. Yes. And we keep having it. Absolutely. So, so your mother's prayer helped provide the breakthrough in the yes. spirit world. Yes. The second reason people aren't hearing the calling is because they have too much noise and distractions around them. That we live in what I call the battleground. You cannot just stay on the battleground. You got to go to the holy ground. So as busy Powerful. as I am, I don't live in the battleground. I don't answer every call. I won't say the number of calls. But it is so enormous. There's no way I could call everybody back. So I don't just live in the battleground. I have to go to the holy ground. The the holy ground to me is my place of prayer, my place of rest, my place of fellowship. See, we're having fellowship as two men of God, and that's going to sharpen us. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I get strengthened on the holy ground, then I can handle life on the battleground. So Jesus never stayed in the battleground. He kept running back to the holy ground. I want to I want to talk about a lesson because I learned this lesson very early on, but I see that you did as well. You said that when you spend time with Leah Ikoka, when you spend time with Vidal Sassoon, yeah, and many of the other greats yes. of that area, and they took you to Spago, so they took you to a restaurant, and they taught you how to set properly. Oh yeah, how to perhaps even how to use the right silverware they appropriately. Did. Yes, uh, when to listen. What was it? that you were able to take in that message with such a humility and turn it into a complete transformation and perhaps embracing it and becoming part of you. Okay? Yes. And a lot of people don't do that. And, and I related to that. I, in fact, it stayed in the back of my mind because I mm-hmm. remember the very first person that took me to a fine dining restaurant when I was a young boy and I was mocking her. I was watching. I was mirroring her. I was watching how she crossed her legs, how she held her glass, yes. because that's not what something that I was accustomed to. What was it that inspired you to be able to listen to those signals? I think that they were drawing on who I was created to be. Like when I was, I a, when I was a kid, my sisters used to call me the king. And because even though we were lower income, my mother always said, we're not lower class. So I think that I was created to be this guy, Tim story that would affect people all over the world that would affect the presidents of our country, the prime ministers and presidents of other countries, and, you know, go to the house of the major leaders of the world, to their homes, and dialogue just at this level. I was created to be this guy. I was created, but I was not educated. So I believe that Uh God used those guys to say, Tim, when you're eating, go from left to right. When somebody sits down, don't start your food, wait Tell everybody has all their food served and just watch. Tim, when you meet with some of these big guys, okay, make sure and let them know you honor them. Because so many people that are jealous and petty, they won't say, oh my gosh, it's Tom Hanks. I love your movies. They'll love his movies, but they won't say, hi, Tom Hanks. I love your movies. I learned to do that, to honor people. Wow. And I believe that it is out of that honor that I kept getting this kind of clientele. Because I tell you what this famous, famous young uh, celebrity said. I won't even say his name. But he's probably the top two actors in, in the world. He said to me, Tim, 
Everybody said you were like this. You're so down to earth. You're so kind. You're so full of wisdom. But you respect us. I think a lot of people try to say things like, oh, they're just people. They are just people. But come on. Some of these guys are iconic Absolutely. in the field. Absolutely. And so I gave them credit. But those guys were just preparing me to be me. Wow. <laughs> but it takes a lot to become those people. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of and work that, that is so easy, but you're so hard to become disciplined at it. Yeah. And I think that it's one thing to get in the door. This is what you don't see today is long-term success. Right. Okay. So you see a lot of guys, even in the space of whatever an influencer is. I don't know where they got that word. That they last about two years, four years, five years. You understand? Sure. Sure. The icons I'm talking about are iconic. <laughs> 30, 40, yeah, 50, 60 yeah. years. Legendary. And they got like statues. Yeah, absolutely. They didn't even buy their own statue. Uh, absolutely. Someone gave it to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oprah. How did you meet Oprah? And what has that relationship? Well, that's my, meant real, to you? That's my real friend. And she'll probably watch this. So I'll, I'll say this as though she's watching. That's my real friend. So, so Oprah, again, I respected her. And when she met me, she could feel I respected her. I met her through many people that wanted me to talk to her. Uh, Gail King, her best friend on CBS Morning News, kept telling Oprah years ago, you got to meet Tim. Quincy Jones was always, 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 always talking to Oprah about Tim's story. And then her former executive producer, Diane Hudson, was always telling her about Tim's story. And the time came, we met, we started doing projects together. She interviewed me. I was on one of her specials. I do her Oprah cruises. I got to be, get to be in her magazine. I'm in her Oprah top 50 influencers of the world or whatever she calls it. But I consider her a real friend. She invites me to all of her fancy parties. And so that's good. But she's a great lady and one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. What is something that people don't know about Tim's story? That I'm more quiet than people realize. I think that my strength is in my quiet. It's not in the fact that I can blow up a stage. That's what I'm known for. I can blow up a stage. I think you don't want to speak behind me. <laughs> you should speak in front of me. Ask Les Brown. Ask anybody. I want they, to speak with you. They, they all say, side by side. They all say, don't speak after Tim because <laughs> I'm going to blow the damn thing up. But what people don't realize, I'm extremely quiet. I stay to myself a lot. And that's where my creativity is cooking. Like the way you should see your tias in the kitchen or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Man, absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm cooking in the kitchen. Absolutely. Savoring, you savoring, you savoring. Hey, that's me. Yeah. How do you want to be remembered, Tim? I don't think about it, number one. I think that if it keeps going the way it's going then I'm going to be remembered fondly. Because for me, to walk in a right Aid the other day and a lady just cries by seeing me, to go into an airplane and I can't even get up to go to the restroom because people are going to grab me. They grab me like this. I don't mean to bother you, but you changed my life. But they get very emotional. So if I'm having some sort of an effect like that, which is causing emotion from people because of my story, then... I think someone like you or someone else will make sure I have the right thing on my stone. Absolutely. <laughs> what inspired the miracle mentality? 
What was the inspiration behind that? The miracle mentality is something, it's a message that I've been working on since the late 80s about how we have to believe in miracles, but then you have to expect them. I think some people believe in miracles. Like, ah, did you hear about so-and-so? They had a miracle. Okay, you believe in it, but do you expect it? When you expect it, it's like if you order something from Amazon and there's a knock on the door, you go, oh, that's it. Showed right? up. It showed up. It, it showed, showed up. up. Yeah. Okay. Are you looking at the door to see if it's no, there yet? You don't have to track it. You don't have to track it. So the miracle mentality is about believing in miracles, expecting miracles, receiving miracles. Because most people don't want to receive because they think they're unworthy. I got divorced. This happened. That happened. I did things that people will never know. You got to believe. You got to expect. You got to receive. And then you become a miracle. Like, when I look at you, you became a miracle. Oh, thank you, Tim. No, you really did. Thank you. You became a miracle. Thank you. You're a man of God. You have juice flowing through you. Thank you. It's coming out of your eyeballs. Okay? You're kind to people. You're worldwide. God is lifting you up to touch the universe. So you are a miracle. You become a miracle. Now, but that's not good enough. The next step is to be a miracle releaser. Right. And that's exactly what you are, right. too. Right. So, so you believe in miracles, then you expect them, then you receive them, then you become one, right. and then you release them. And that should be an obligation, right? We have a responsibility to release those miracles. We, we, keep- we, have, a, we have a responsibility, but it, it's an obligation, and as you know, it's also a privilege. So to me, I lean on the privilege side. It's a privilege for me to have a lot of wisdom in certain areas, because I'm not good at everything. I'm not a great cook yet. I can't fix a car. But in the area of turning setbacks to comebacks, I cannot be beat. Wow. I cannot be beat. Wow. Wow. It's like when Muhammad Ali was at his stage, his prime, he knew when he could be beat. And yeah, be. yeah. Absolutely. In this area, absolutely. if you got somebody in trouble, put him right there. I cannot be beat. How did that young kid from Compton grow up to be such a confident Strong persona. Because of the people around me. Because, again, what I was was a a little person with potential, but I needed people around me to help sculpt me, mold me, shape me with the help of God. My confidence is more in God. Everything is, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. So I that's where I'm at. My, My confidence is in God but he's given me a team of people that are the best at what they do, but worldwide. I'm not in one little cul-de-sac. Right, right, right. He spread me worldwide with power. And so that gives you a little bit of supernatural swag. But at the same time, I know when somebody's quicker than me at something else. Like in the area of business, you're quicker than me. So I plan on learning from you. So if anybody's ever quicker than me or smarter than me, it doesn't bother me one bit. I want to learn Just like those guys taught me how to eat espagos, I want to learn about other things. I love that. I love that. Tim, younger generation, Gen Zers and Corona, COVID-19, Corona. The younger generation has been taken away from the opportunity of many of them graduating from college, graduating from high school, living a normal life. COVID has paralyzed our country. In my opinion, it has also given us an opportunity to reflect, pause, and to look, take an personal inventory and look at, see who we are and who we want to become. Yes. What should be the the biggest lesson for the younger generation and how can they shift? How can they make this 
they're missing opportunities. Okay, so great question. There used to be a TV show that I used to love called Let's Make a Deal. And so they would say, do you want to take what's behind that curtain, curtain number one? Or do you want to take what's behind that curtain, curtain number two? Okay, so you had to take a choice. Sure. And one was the good curtain, like the trip to the Bahamas and a boat. Yes. And then the other one was not so good. Yeah. And the not so good curtain, they would go, bom, 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 like, (laughs) you know, it didn't work. So uh, this is a perfect opportunity to tell young people that everything is not curtain number one of the surprise and your dream came true. There's, There's also curtain number two of your father got cancer or your brother struggles with addiction or that, you know, you did not get the job and you did not get accepted to UCLA or you did not get accepted to Harvard or your ears are too big or you have acne. There's a lot of curtain number twos. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But that's okay. Because curtain number twos could teach us so much of how to appreciate and be grateful for all the things that we're going through. So a lot of my strength is I've seen a lot of curtain number twos in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I have too. <laughs> in <laughs> fact, for most of my life, all I saw was curtain number twos. <laughs> That's easier said than done. And a lot of people are going to look at you and are going to look at us and they say, you know, it's easier for you to done. You already make the crossover, right? Yeah. We already make the breakthrough. But give us some quick tips how somebody can turn adversity into an opportunity. Okay, so... Again, we talked about you have to become awake. Number two, you you take inventory. Number three, you have to partner with the right people. And then here's a very, very key point. It's in my book. You have to have the right principles. What are your principles? It can't be just my uncle said or my aunt said or my grandfather said. That's great. But we need to strengthen those principles. And so what I did is I got principles to live by that strengthened me. So what happens is that you become, you know, get the right partners and then you get the right principles. And then out of the principles comes a plan. See, a lot of people try to make big plans without big principles. Like those of us that know the recovery background. Right. Okay. So we, we ran off these 12 principles. And so those 12 principles help to renew a person if they decide to use them correctly. And out of the principles creates the plan. Okay. So you got to have that plan. And then because of all the stuff you've been through is that then persistence starts to come out. Like a guy like you, if you fall on your butt, you're going to get back up. If someone said, did you hear that he fell on his butt in one of his 27,000 businesses? I'll say, that's okay. He's going to get <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because yeah. you've been through enough. Yeah. So absolutely. you're going to be persistent. Guys yeah. like us, we get back up. Yeah, absolutely. I often say, Make your mess your message, but make sure you clean it up. Oh, I like that. Tim, I know you're passionate about helping people, but why are you so passionate about recovery, about addiction? The addiction thing is not even just because of my father struggling with it or my brother. That's part of it. I think it's, I'm passionate about somebody not living in the state they were created to live in. I love that. And I feel that a lot of people that I get to meet that have problems with addiction, that they become a discount version of themselves, that they deal with guilt and and shame and and fog and their 
they're not in the moment and they miss moments and they miss their kid's birthday party and they miss a, a beautiful woman they had or if it's a woman, they, they, they miss a, a beautiful man that they messed up the whole damn thing because they were not in the moment. And so I, I think it's more about somebody becoming a discount version of themselves. And I want them to get the light burning bright again. So they have an opportunity to live. Absolutely. Because this thing they call life is a beautiful thing, even with the curtain number twos. Absolutely. I'll still take it. Absolutely. One of your quotes, one of the yes, Timpsons, I call them Timpsons. <laughs> what is in you is to come out. Yes. No doubt about it. So if you have anger in you, you could try to be the nicest guy in the world. It's going to come out. It's going to come out at a waiter, the guy who didn't pull up your Bentley fast enough. Yeah. I see these big crybabies. You say Chion in Spanish? Yeah, Chion. Okay, I see these big <laughs> Chions that I life coach, and they look like they're so nice, but I, I guess this guy's about to blow up. Yeah. Sure enough, they'll blow up at the busboy, the waiter, the guy that didn't pull up their Bentley. So what is in you will come out. So be careful what you feed yourself with. And I say it in this in the book, Miracle Mentality, watch what you watch. Watch what you listen to. Oh, man, I'm so careful of what I watch on TV. I watch what I listen to. I don't listen to people's a bunch of gossip about somebody negative. But I also watch what I say because there's such power in words. Absolutely. But what's in you, oh, it'll come out. Absolutely. You talked about watch what you do, watch what you hear, watch what you say. With that yeah. in mind, what are your rituals? How do you stay so young? How do you stay so positive? Yeah. How do you feed the soul, the mind, the body, and the spirit? For me, and everybody knows I'm very inclusive because I like people, coach people that are Muslim, Islam religion, New Age, Scientologist, Kabbalah, all walks of life. My background is, is Christianity. I was taken to a Christian church at age four, and that's what works for me. And so for me, I have a very close relationship with God. I don't consider myself religious. I consider myself in a relationship with my creator. So I do a lot of studying on the Psalms and the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, which are known as the wisdom books. And man, that is working for me because I'm so full of scripture. I can quote over 2,000 scriptures. So that's what works with me. And the word inside of me has really strengthened my life. Like people say this about me. They say, a fire can start right there. And Tim's story will still be talking to you and go, oh, don't worry, I'll put it out in a minute. But I really, yeah. I flow that, yeah. that way. But for me, my morning ritual is, is I study the word of God, I pray, I meditate on the things of God. Many times I'll watch podcasts, you know, you know, things like yours, podcasts, other podcasts. I'll watch podcasts to build my faith and starve my doubts. And then I like exercise like you and then boom, let's go yeah. help some people. So what are you working on? What projects are you working on today? Anything we can talk about? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of exciting projects, but rather than even going there, I just want to say what I'm into right now is this conversation. Oh, thank you, Tim. No, that's and likewise, likewise. So yeah, likewise. so I think that because of people liking me, I get to do fancy things. Like, sure. hey, what's the new fancy thing? Yeah, you know, sure, sure. That's not even how I see it. I, I think that the fact that you and Jonathan would come here today and film this podcast. That's what I'm into. I'm into this right here. So I'm into this, and I'm excited about the Miracle Mentality book because it will change somebody's life. This book will trigger you 
to help you become who you're supposed to be. Wow. I'm going to trigger you. Wow. It's, I love a, that. it's essential reading. I love if that. If they watch this show and don't buy it, then you should be, you know. Then we're not doing our job. You're not doing your job. We're not doing our job. Yeah. The miracle mentality with Tim's story, you got to get it. You got to get it. Where can people find the book? So the beautiful thing is, you know, we got this thing, Barnes and Noble online, Amazon online, but wherever books are sold, as they say, but it's also audible. So I did the audible. It's my voice. And you see, I got a lot of energy in my voice. Absolutely. In Absolutely. fact, the guy who was the production engineer, he's like, what the heck? You just entertained the heck out of me. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's audible, but you can also get it today on Amazon. It'll show up, but don't just buy one, buy two. Sponsor somebody else's miracle life. Wow. Sponsor somebody else's miracle life. Tim Story, a great human being, humanitarian, an incredible being, a man of God, and a great friend. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of the Coming Clean Podcast. Make sure to join Peter and his next guest on a brand new episode as we continue changing and impacting lives across the world. Share this episode with a friend. Follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Go ahead and get it fast. Get it dash in my position. You would never.